Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Now, does your pet dog or cat, say, have a personality or have you given them one? Short of transporting yourself into the mind of an animal, it's impossible to say definitively. But in his column in today's examiner, Pete Wedderburn writes that science has provided considerable evidence that animals are more like us than we previously thought. Afternoon, Pete. Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, Now, tell us what is the uh, Cambridge Declaration on Consciousness? Well, this was underreported at the time, but it happened in July 2012. And what happened was a prominent international group of, of scientists that were like neuroscientists, pharmacologists, physiologists, neuroanatomists, all of these people, they all got together and they looked at the evidence about what different animals and what humans actually experience in terms of being conscious. And what they decided was that what they termed non-human animals, and that includes all mammals, birds, and other creatures like octopuses, that they all possess the same necessary components to have similar type of living sensations as we have, as humans have. In other words, they're conscious just like we're conscious. And that's known as the Cambridge Declaration of Consciousness. You see, up till then, there was always this kind of view that animals are kind of automatons, just kind of their bodies self-regulated and they just moved around the world without actually experiencing the world in the same way as we do and without having emotions and sensations necessarily. So that's all turned around. And now we know they're just like us, except that they miss a really important bit of our brain, which is called the neocortex. And that's the bit which communicates, which sort of plans and which worries and does all, all those bits of thinking. But 99.9% of them their experiences just like ours. Because if you think about it, we evolved from them. So we were like them before we added the neocortex and began to worry about stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. And now, uh, d- does that imply, Pete, though, that they have the, the, there's an emotional interior life, that they feel fear and love and, and those kinds of Absolutely. things? Absolutely. Definitely, for sure. There's no question about that. It used to be said that if you, if you said those things about animals, that you were being anthropomorphic, mm. as in you were putting human emotions and thoughts onto an animal. But now we would say that if an animal looks like it's experiencing an emotion, then it almost certainly is experiencing the emotion. So, you know, the rule of thumb is that, you know, if it looks like an animal's frightened, well, yes, it is. If it looks like it's in pain, it is. If it looks like it's anxious, it is. And there's a whole bunch of um, behavioral sciences developed along this way with things like the, the sheep grimace index, which tells you if, if a sheep's in pain by, by assessing how much it's grimacing. And there's all sorts of other things like that. So whereas in the past, those things were thought to be kind of just physical without having an, such an internal component, we now recognize that, yes, there is a very strong internal component. And what all of this does, by the way, it, is that it gives us a much greater responsibility to care for animals properly because we know that they're not just having automatic things going on, they're actually having real life, real life um, living experiences which are horrible if they look like they're in pain. Yeah. The, the, well, is it, is it possible to tell if uh, an animal has some sort of uh, emotional range? I, I, is it the same as ours? Is, is it maybe a less well-developed range as ours? Or, or, or do we know what it's like? Well, you see, the big issue is that they can't communicate with us. Mm. So short of talking to them and hearing what they're feeling, we can't actually tell. But I would say that it's very likely that they 
have an even greater emotional range in many ways because they depend on their emotions for survival. So they're exquisitely attuned to them, whereas we humans are very good at suppressing our emotions and soldiering on. We use our forebrain to tell us, just ignore that emotion. It doesn't really exist. And, and, and that's when we get them to bother, actually. So I think animals are more emotional than humans in many, many ways. Yeah, you could see how actually for many animals, it's more of an emotional roller coaster that, that like, ah, threat, no, everything's OK. Ah, threat, no, everything's OK. You know, that, that's... And, and, and I think the really, really difficult thing for them is that they're not in charge. Like mm. we humans, at least we have voices and, uh, and we can communicate and we can organize and we can plan and all those things, whereas they're far more limited than us. So on top of these emotions you're describing, they also have a sense of powerlessness often, which must be quite terrifying for them very often. Um, so, I mean, this is all kind of put into play and recognized in, in, in the new animal welfare legislation that came in in 2013, by the way. A lot of people mightn't be aware of this. Up until 2013, it was, a, it was against the law to inflict pain on animals, whereas that was, that was, that was transformed in 2013 with the new legislation. What that, what that then s- said is that you, not only could you not inflict pain, but you were obliged to give them a good life. You have to. So you have to, there's something called the five freedoms, which is freedom from discomfort, freedom from pain, injury and disease, freedom to express normal behavior. And that's really important. You can't just lock a pig into a pen and leave it there with nothing to do. That's against the law. Um, you have to give them freedom from fear and distress. So there's these five freedoms you have to give animals. And it's now a crime if you don't give them those freedoms. So that's a big turnaround. And that reflects our new understanding of consciousness. Yeah. The, do, do you think animals can feel love? Um, that love's a very interesting one now. Yeah. Because it would often be said that dogs give owners unconditional love. But more recently, I heard a better definition, which is that dogs give owners unconditional positive regard. Now, (laughs) we're talking definitions here, right? But love is a complex emotion. Positive regard is very clear. Your dog always thinks that you're great. Yes. (laughs) It always (laughs) thinks you're fabulous. (laughs) Now, does your dog you? That's kind of a more subtle emotion, which is pretty hard to to get to the heart of, I think. Yeah, yeah, fair, fair enough. That's actually <laughs> fair, that's an, an excellent way uh, of putting it. Also, positive regard to you today, uh, because, uh, Pete, because you, you, you've got your citizenship today. Yes, well, I'm, I'm from Scotland originally, but I've been living in Ireland for 30 years. And, and in that time, I never really felt a great need to become Irish because um, I was British and I was European and that was all cool. But basically, since Brexit came along, I suddenly was told that I wasn't European anymore and I couldn't go down the same passport channels as my wife. And so I said, enough of that nonsense. I want to become Irish. So I, I, I applied two years ago and today I had the ceremony. I must say it was a lovely ceremony. Yeah, what, it, happens, it, 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 what it, happens at the ceremony? Well, you, you're basically one of about, I don't know, 500 or 1,000 people in, a, in an auditorium in, um, in Killarney. Um, and you all sit there and you're allowed to have one guest with you and they sit behind you in another section and then the um um Strymon harris came out and, and welcomed us on behalf of the irish government and he made, said some very lovely inclusive and um welcoming things and then there was a a, a a judge a justice woman of some kind she then came and told us about the formal stuff and she then read out the declaration of um the oath to the oath to the state which we have to make uh, of, of of allegiance to to, uh, to ireland 
and, and, and she said, you've reached the end of your migrant journey, welcome. And it really was very emotional and, and a very enjoyable experience. And, mm. um, and I feel very proud to be part of this great nation, I have to say. And to see around me all of these people, there was a lady on my left from Nigeria, another woman to my right from the Philippines, and there are people from all different countries you can imagine were all there and all together. And I love that the, one of the things that was said by one of the, the, the speech makers was, you know, you're welcome here. You're welcome to join our culture and be part of our culture, but don't forget your own culture. And just as Irish immigrants to other countries have taken the Irish culture to those countries and enriched those countries, we want you to bring your traditions and your culture to our culture to enrich our, our society too. So it was all, as I say, very inclusive and a, a, a great, uh, a refreshing take on situation compared to some of the more right-wing negative things that you hear in the media sometimes. Mm. This was the real Ireland speaking today. This was the inclusive Ireland, and I felt very proud to be part of it. Well, congratulations, uh, Pete. Uh, Pete Wedderburn there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm. With Anna Glaze. On News Talk.